0: I don't have the mind of God and maybe someday in heaven I'll understand more than I understand now about why things occurred the way that they did, but my job is not to question it and wonder about it and ask God continually, although I think he allows that and is very gracious towards us, but it is to say that, God, I trust you because you've proven yourself and that's kind of the end of the matter.
1: On In Good Faith, we believe that all faith traditions have something to teach us about how God is working in the world and in our lives. So join us to listen, learn, and be amazed. Today on In Good Faith, we're speaking with a graduate student at our university, Leah Merritt. And she, to me, is this interesting example of not just trying to find your place, but kind of making a place for yourself and then making a place for others in a pretty spectacular way. Ashton Rowan is the producer. Ashton, thanks for being here.
2: Thank you, Steve. And I wonder if you tell me how you got in touch with Leah. Yeah, Leah's a student here at Brigham Young University, and she's heavily involved in the interfaith community. So her name is floating around frequently, and I'd heard it before. But when I was introduced to her more formally, was when she hosted an interfaith panel discussion about prayer here on campus. And it was a very inspiring and inspirational event. And she was an impressive host. And so I reached out and she was happy to come on the show, which we're very thankful to her for.
1: Yeah, and I'm not going to give away the line, but she has this one response to an answer that she feels God gave her that shows her that she feels very comfortable in conversation with God. It really made me smile. Leah Merritt is the host of the Non-Member Project podcast, drawing from her experiences as a Protestant Christian student here at Brigham Young University. Currently, she's earning her master's degree in athletic training. And I started by just asking what her background was in faith.
0: I am from Kansas. Growing up in Kansas is a pretty typical Midwestern story, I think. I feel like I had a pretty normal upbringing, went to church every Sunday, and my church was very theologically driven. So from a young age, I was taught about the scriptures and how to study them. And my church in particular was very focused on making sure that we had a scholarly understanding of the scriptures. So I learned how to study the Bible with Greek and Hebrew and context, cross-referencing and all of those things from a young age. And did you
1: like that? Were you to that?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were some times where I was like, oh, this is a lot, but I'm so glad I grew up that way. And I learned a lot from a young age.
1: So, so as you're going to college, mm-hmm. how did BYU pop up on your radar?
0: Well, the first time I heard about BYU, I was running cross country with my friend who was LDS. And she said, Leah, you should go to BYU. And I said, That's school for Mormons. (laughs) I can't go there. And she said, no, you can. And I rolled my eyes and never thought about it again until I was a senior, which was about two years later. And there was just, for some reason, there was just a a feeling that I had that I should be going to BYU. And I I felt like that feeling was from God, but I looked at him and I was like, that is ridiculous. I don't want to do that. And that sounds awful. (laughs) (laughs) I actually had planned to go to the University of Maryland up until about a week before I graduated high school. And it fell through very unexpectedly. And it gave me kind of the chance to reflect on what I felt like God had been asking me to do and have a second chance to say, you know, maybe what I felt like I was supposed to do in the first place is what I should be doing. And that's what God's leading me towards.
1: I think at a young age to be really aware of God might be leading me somehow, God might be asking me something is kind of remarkable. And I wonder how you experienced that. What what did that mean for you? It's like, just kind of a feeling or certain things seem right to you? How is that for you?
0: To me, it, first of all, it's a little bit scary because I think anytime God asks us to do something out of the norm, <laughs> um, it can be a little scary. And I don't know like, how exactly I would describe it. I don't feel like God spoke a specific word to me necessarily. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple instances because, of course, this is a very big decision I'm making um, with a lot of really big implications. And I said... In my prayers, I said, "God, um, if this is the choice that I'm going to make, then I really need you to give me some sort of sign. This is what I'm supposed to do because I don't feel confident making this big of a decision without your input." And He gave me a very clear sign that I was supposed to come to BYU, and that's how I ended up here. But I think for for me, what the way that God speaks to us there's many ways. I think through the scriptures and right, um, yeah. So I was reading my Bible a lot and thinking through the scriptures and what I felt like I was being called to. And then just personal experience, what we might call here personal revelation, right? And I think it comes to people in different ways. I think that for me, a lot of it is musical. A lot of it is other people speaking into my life that are wise and that know the scriptures and know God very well. And, yeah, I think it's a, it's a real, like, whole body of things. I think if it was just one little thing, then I might have a hard time trusting it. But I believe the Holy Spirit can speak to us in a variety of ways and that we can trust His voice when it lines up with the Scriptures because He'll never go against the Scriptures.
1: And how cool, later, as you look back,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: mean, does that sort of confirm those feelings and the things you were thinking about?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think so.
1: (laughs) Because it seems like aside from your education, which is very important, Mm -hmm. you've had a sense of mission about what you're accomplishing here Mm -hmm. at BYU. So anybody who goes someplace where they are suddenly in a 1% religious minority is going to be in the middle of a system that's sort of designed for everybody else. Do you feel that?
0: Absolutely. yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Where do you feel that most strongly?
0: To be honest, when I feel that the most is walking out of the Wilkinson Student Center and walking by missionaries and hearing them say, do you know any non-members to other people? Um, which, is, which is kind of a weird instance, but it's kind of one of those experiences that just like drills home that we are the 1%, that other people are like looking for us, that they want to convert us. <laughs> And that sounds a little aggressive. We love the missionaries and we're not upset at them for the job that they're doing and what they believe that they need to be doing. But it definitely is is a little bit hard some days when you already feel like, oh, yeah, like no one agrees with me. And even though they're nice to me, that that doesn't change, you know, that sometimes it can be stressful and you're hearing things in your religion class sometimes about your own religion that are wrong
1: or... Mm, that would be hard.
0: Yeah. Untrue. And, you, you know, just kind of experiences like that where you already kind of feel like the 1% and then you hear people talking about you. And it's kind of like, it's kind of a kind of bizarre
2: experience.
1: Especially if you feel like, (laughs) I feel like God is good with who I am and where (laughs) I am and and what my path is, all of that. For sure. So this sparked you to get involved in interfaith work. And had you been at all aware of that previous to coming to college.
0: So I certainly believe in an interfaith ethic way of living, as in I believe that every person is designed by God, and therefore my calling is to love every person as if they were created by God and have equal value under him. Mm. And so that doesn't put me as a Christian in my belief system, even though, you know, as a person of faith, I do believe that my faith is the correct faith, right? Right. But at the same time, I don't believe I'm any better than anyone else because of that. I believe it's only God's grace in my life that has made me who I am and given me this system of faith. But I also think coming to BYU, there was an opportunity to have more institutionalized interfaith conversations, which was different from what I had experienced and organized before in my life.
1: So you've been very, very involved in that. Yes. Is that partly because you're wanting people to be able to find a place—
0: yeah I, yeah, I think so. I think a lot of it is related to belonging. And I also have a very strong desire to see people represented and that people are free without fear to share what they believe, whether that's their faith tradition or even just not having a faith tradition. I think that's really important for us to allow open conversation so people can learn from each other.
1: So students are so busy anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and you decide, I should do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> So tell me about this, and it's called the Non-Member Project, which uh, if people aren't acquainted with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Mm -hmm. just as Jews might talk about non-Jews as Gentiles, LDS folks often say, oh, they're non-members, meaning they don't belong to my church, which is weird to be defined by what you're not instead of what you are. But even the idea, what made you think we should have a way for people to tell their stories?
0: Yeah, so one thing that you experience a lot as a non-LDS student at BYU, or even just in the Provo area in general, is a lot of the times we'll end up mentioning we're a non-LDS student, or, you know, we go to BYU, but I'm not LDS, right? And people will instantly say, oh my gosh, why did you decide to come here? And that's awesome, and we love the interest, but you get asked that sometimes at least once a day. Wow. And so it gets a little bit overwhelming and I'm so overwhelmed. I, I don't have the capacity to respond to everyone fully like I would like to. Yeah. And I think that's how a lot of our non LDS students feel here. Whether they, it's not that they don't want to share their stories and they don't think their stories are valuable, but it's really hard to sift through who really cares, who sees you as some sort of like interesting story, but not as a person.
1: Right. Towards um, yet a possible project.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Who sees you as a conversion project? I was thinking about it, brainstorming with some of my professors on the Council for Interfaith Engagement, and I had been talking about doing something more video format. But then we were like, well, what if we just made it into a podcast? Because it's accessible to the whole student body, and therefore our 380 non-LDS students don't have to talk to 100 people each to explain our stories to everyone, right? And I think there is a lot of interest in the BYU community and understanding non-LDS students and making them feel like they have a greater sense of belonging. Um, But that is really hard to do if we can't talk to everyone. And so the podcast was like a natural progression of a way to address that problem.
1: How, how many episodes have you done so far? Twenty. Wow, you're serious about it. So here <laughs> yeah. is uh, one of uh, someone who was was on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Sama Salah is a pre-business sophomore who's also Muslim who was featured, and she said this really I thought insightful thing. The beauty of a podcast is you can only listen, so it's sort of like you get to tell your whole story without interruption.
0: Yeah people are really interested in hearing other people's stories and even among a super majority you know we we are human right we have a great interest in hearing other people's stories and even if that means oh I wish they would convert because they'd be really good Mormon <laughs> which is what we hear sometimes um, you still have a really genuine interest and, and I think there's something special that happens with a podcast where you know as a host I understand what my friends have gone through and everyone that's been on is now my friend if they weren't before And we do have a really tight connection because it's a really interesting and very specific experience we've had that no one in our life can fully relate to outside of that small group of people. Right. I want to make sure that they can tell their stories, but also feel safe in knowing that what we put out is a product that they feel comfortable sharing with the wider campus. That creates this really cool atmosphere where they can speak openly and feel safe and things get said that are just really insightful the greater campus. Because if you have someone who doesn't quite understand the experience or someone you're not sure is going to portray your story how you want it, yeah. then it's scarier to come on a podcast. But I've done, I've done a lot of work to make sure that the people who are on my podcast know that my goal is for them to be able to share their story how they want to share it and say what they want to say. Hopefully that shows in our overall production.
1: Yeah. My own limited experience, but traveling in places in the world where I'm in the 3% Mm -hmm. of Christianity, those experiences of suddenly being in a a very small minority do make you aware of your circumstances and Mm -hmm. what you say and how you're living. And so I think all of us, whether it's faith, whether it's politics, whether it's whatever, the idea that if you're in a majority You have to have this awareness. What would you want people in any majority to be aware of for the minority that is living there with them, among them?
0: Yeah. You know, I would say, um, and this is something I've had to learn too, right? Because like you were saying before, within the non-LDS community, we have a lot of different groups, right? So I am regularly in contact with some of our Jewish students, a lot of our Muslim students, a lot of people who don't have a faith, a lot of people who are traditionally part of a faith, but don't practice. Mm. And in being friends with all those people of different backgrounds, I think that the one thing I can recommend the most is basically what Salma said, which is listen. Because if you listen, people feel comfortable talking to you. And so I've had a couple conversations with people recently even where they've said, oh, can you can you share what you think about your experience at BYU? And my general response to that is usually, well, you know, I love BYU. I'm here for a reason, and I care about this school. But there are days where it's really hard, and here are a few things that have happened or general themes that occur to a lot of non-member students. And sometimes the response to that is, well, let me play devil's kid? for a minute. <laughs> and I don't like, want to say anything else after that comment is made. Yeah, like,
1: let me tell you how you're wrong.
0: Exactly. And, and I completely understand playing devil's advocate. If you know me, you know that that is my agenda in life. <laughs> um, I'm constantly <laughs> playing devil's advocate. I like to think through things from all sides. But I think there's a, there's a compassion that is really, really important when you're approaching people of a different background that um, have had a different experience than you. And I bring this to my LDS friends when they talk about their missions and when they talk about how they felt the Spirit in certain circumstances that to me are not, not something that I would consider biblical or correct according to my faith. But I still have to just look at that and say, you know, this person has experienced something. And even if I don't agree maybe with what is occurring, I can still love them as a person and choose to try my very best to understand where they're coming from and why they're feeling the way that they're feeling. And I think that's the first step to knowing other people well. And when you I think knowing is is part of loving, right? I think my biggest advice then would just be, yeah, just do your best to listen. Don't listen to respond. Don't listen to think of something, you know, intellectually interesting to say afterwards, right? Just listen.
1: Were you surprised that there are interfaith classes and organizations on campus?
0: I think one of the misconceptions about interfaith is that in order to be interfaith, you have to hold less to your own values. I think this is a concept a lot of religious people have of interfaith, thinking maybe that if we focus too much on getting along with people of other religions and saying, oh, well, they're good people too, right, then we focus less on our own doctrine and less on what we actually believe. And at BYU, I have found this really great space where the people that are in it are honest about their own beliefs and doctrines. We can just say, no, it's okay. We disagree. But both of us believe in loving each other for different reasons maybe, right? But I think that's the strongest form of interfaith is when you see people that are diametrically opposed, that believe completely separate doctrines, being able to say, no, despite this, and despite the fact that I will continue to hold to my beliefs, I can choose to love you and listen to you anyways.
1: This is In Good Faith. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Hi, Stephen Cap Perry here, host of In Good Faith, Here's another podcast from our BYU Radio family of podcasts I hope you'll check out. What I love is real. You know that saying, real recognize real? That's Lisa on The Lisa Show. Lisa Valentine Clark is a comedian, she's a believer, a single mother, and on The Lisa Show podcast, you'll hear from the Council of Moms, a genius idea which is actually one of my favorite parts of her show you'll hear about the challenges of life, parenting, mental health questions, social issues. Yes, you'll hear from experts, but also from people discussing their, where the rubber meets the road, life experience. It's The Lisa Show, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to In Good Faith. I'm chatting with Leah Merritt, the host of the Non-Member Project podcast and a graduate student at Brigham Young University. Because you study the Bible, because that's important to you. Mm-hmm. Do you have a particular parable or a chapter or something that's sort of a touchstone in your life right now?
0: Um, right now, I would say my favorite book of the Bible to read has been Job, which is interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's a little bit of Old Testament. Yeah.
1: They teach you how to pick your friends. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah,
0: that, for sure. I, I, I just was doing a lot of thinking. And the poetic books of the Old Testament are people doing a lot of thinking. (laughs) They're they're kind of existential. They they deal with some really tough topics. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we forget that they deal with the same things that we're dealing with today. And I just started reading Job this summer, and I had a lot of questions for God about why certain things have happened, why certain things will happen in the future, why, why the world is the way that it is, right? And I came to Job with that question for God. And Job has a really interesting way of answering that question because the concept is sort of that how can God be good and evil exist in the world and God be all-powerful? And basically, Job is is an exploration of that and all these people giving their different responses and saying, how can this be? How is this possible? Or saying, you know what, Job, you're wrong because you must have done something to make God do this to you. So not not God's not good. No, God is good and he's punishing you because you did something wrong. And that's something that sometimes traditionally religious people have gone to that at certain times. And
1: we're all looking for some logic. We want to make yeah, sense of what we what is bigger than us.
0: I believe that God is a different substance from us entirely. He is his own entity. He's holy, he's greater than us, he's over us and he always will be and also he's just like an eternal being unlike me. And the response to Job by God is, Job, where were you when I created the foundations of the earth? And for me, that was so profound to just look at that kind of from like a 30,000-foot perspective and say like, wow, like when I ask all these questions of God, like my ability to understand the answers is not always there. That was really comforting to me just to think and be reminded of the idea that God is good. And he has proven that throughout history. And God is in control. And he has proven that throughout history. And when I question how that works out, like, I just can't. Like, there's, there's no way for me to comprehend it. I don't have the mind of God. And maybe someday in heaven, I'll understand more than I understand now about why things occurred the way that they did. But my job is not to question it and wonder about it and ask God continually, although I think he allows that and is very gracious towards us. But it is to say that, God, I trust you because you've proven yourself and that's kind of the end of the matter.
1: I don't even know if we could have faith if there wasn't something we had to exercise faith in, something right. beyond our knowing. Yep. Why do you believe in God? I mean, you've been taught, but are there experiences or, or is it just an inner knowing?
0: A variety of reasons. <laughs> I would say I have a natural tendency as a human to be very analytical <laughs> and scholarly. And so a lot of my understanding of God has come from study. I don't think that's true of everyone, but for me, I do connect with God on an, on an intellectual level as well as on a spiritual level. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about concepts and theology, apologetics, and thinking through how the universe exists and why. My undergraduate degree was in neuroscience. You look at the eye. It's an isolated system that's interconnected with every other system of the body. It's extremely complex. Every single neuron is doing something specific. And in the eye, it's even inverted from a normal process. (laughs) So it's like a very different way of networking this system. And I look at that and I just think like, there's literally no way that this just came from nothing. Like, I, I can't, I can't believe that, that there's, Nothing behind what has been created, because the intentionality, the intricacy, the detail, and how all of it functions together, to me is a testament to something greater. We we look at the simplest single celled organisms, and they're infinitely complex.
1: So even the creation itself yeah. is reason for you,
0: right? And the Bible says, like, all creation declares the glory of God. Right? The sky proclaims His handiwork. Yeah. And I think that for me, that's been so evident in my study of science and just looking at how the world functions, but then also just meeting God in times of need. And I think I experience God's love on a daily basis through every breath that I take <laughs> mm. <laughs> because I don't think that I'm guaranteed anything. And I think that God's grace to me is evident in in everything. But in particular, I think I feel it, especially when I'm singing with like a group of people who are also christian when i'm just beholding god's creation um and i think there's moments like that where just your soul kind of sings you yeah. know with joy and like
1: oh i i am so does. i am so with you on the music when that's yeah. like like top of my list yeah. of what brings it into me how has your faith grown or changed during the time you've been in college and grad school because yeah. obviously this is a time when people are figuring out who they are. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a crazy time of life. <laughs> um, and I think that it's it's definitely my relationship with God has, has changed and evolved. And I think that that's true of every relationship we have because they're dynamic. And there have been times where I feel like I, God has really shown me how he responds to us. He's shown me how he responds with grace when I am angry mm. and do the wrong thing sometimes. <laughs> He has shown me how to kind of live in a place where I can remain steadfast in my faith because ultimately my faith is what propels me to have the utmost compassion for others, which to not to say that I'm perfect to that because I fail every single day, <laughs> but there are definitely moments where I just know that, that my closeness to God and my faith is what compels me the most to be a person of compassion and to be driven to protect the rights and stories of others. And I think that God has shown me that his love is greater and Sometimes I'm in hard situations. Sometimes I'm being treated differently for my faith. Sometimes I'm in a room where I am the only person who believes what I believe. And I think God has just opened my eyes more to see how he sees the people around me and to see that regardless of what people believe, my job is not to change them. My job is not to convince them. My job is not to tell them that they're wrong, which still may include discussions we have about how we disagree, right? But ultimately, it's about having this compassion that God has for others. And I think sharing what I believe is true is part of that. And just loving people in a way that's practical is another part of that.
2: That was Leah Merritt talking to Steve about her experience here at Brigham Young University as a non-LDS student, one of the 1%, as is brought up in the interview. She talked a lot about the story of Job. But a different section of her interview made me think of a different biblical story, the story of Abraham and Isaac. And this is when she was talking about her decision to come to BYU and how she was introduced and very was very dismissive of the idea until she felt like God was giving her these signs. And she said, even at one point, he gave her a very specific sign. And I thought that this was so representative and powerful that she had this trust in God to do something that she was originally thinking what could that do for me how would this be good how could this do anything and and when she gets first got that little nudge or or that
1: answer i think her exact words were god that's ridiculous <laughs> yes exactly and then she ends up through these directions that you're talking about accepting that
2: yeah and not only accepting it but then finding joy in that decision and finding place in that decision through god and through that trust that she had in him from the beginning
1: there is an element of charity in her that I sort
2: of could almost warm my
1: hands by because she wasn't just making a way for herself. She has gone to great effort to create space for other people to feel comfortable by sharing their experiences. And then she's also sharing that, besides helping those individual people, she's sharing that with the larger group like, so guys, this is what it's like for the 1% among you. Pay attention. So when I hear that 1%, I'm thinking of Jesus and the 90 and 9, and he says, leave them all and go find the one. I I mean, I was just pretty much in awe uh, of her, and what she's accomplishing, and so happy to know that people like her are in
2: the world I live in. It's always a joy to interview another podcaster, and when we were talking about podcasts during the episode in her show, and he brought up a quote from a former guest of hers that said, the beauty of a podcast is you can only listen, and I think that that should be the goal of our show. That's the goal of her show. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Well, I think when you really listen to people, first of all, they
1: start to realize, oh, you're not just hearing me so that you can say, well, if you really understood, you'd feel differently. But just like, thank you. I accept that as your valid lived experience. And that is sometimes as close to love as some people get, <laughs> that somebody will listen and accept them as valid as who they are. I think that's a real gift. This episode was produced by Ashton Rowan and Heather Bigley. Our production team also includes Leah King and Katarina Martinich, as well as Josh Orton. Our post-production sound designers are Mark Hansen, Daniel Phillips, and Carly Wilson. In Good Faith is committed to the idea that we all benefit from hearing people of widely varying backgrounds share their personal experience with faith and belief. In fact, we think people with such experience deserve some of our best listening. If interfaith understanding is important to you, be sure to leave a comment or review on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, and help spread the word. Find us on Twitter at In Good faith Pod, on Instagram and Facebook at In Good faith Podcast. On YouTube, our page is youtube.com/slash/at-in-good-faith. In Good Faith is a production of BYU Radio. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. I hope you'll join me again soon, right here in Good Faith.